in that case, we are live. Um, the red light is on. Hello, coffee drinkers. Hello, friends. We are back. It's been a bit of a drought. Yeah. It's actually been quite the opposite of a drought here in LA, but... Oh, it's been so nice. <sighs> Chelsea loves the rain. Well, when you grow up without any... Uh, I know, I know. It's like a treat. This is our pre-NAM preview podcast. What are you excited about? Pre-NAM preview precast podcast? Something like that. Too many P's. I don't what know. am I excited about for NAM? Yes. <laughs> Seeing Stevie Wonder for the eighth year in a row. Really? Because I cannot go to a NAM show without almost directly running face first into Stevie Wonder. <laughs> Is that his fault? <laughs> I wasn't taking it there. You did. But really, for some reason, I can't go to Nam without seeing Stevie Wonder. Okay. And I weirdly get closer to him every year. Like the first year, it was just kind of, I saw him in like across the room. Yeah. And the second year, I, I like passed a booth he was playing. And then last year, it was after the show had closed. And I was walking out. I was like helping some of the guys load out uh, the stuff like before we went to dinner or mm. something with the F-Base guys. Yeah. And he was just there. The show was completely closed down. There was no one in the building and Stevie walked through the door right past me. So weird. Okay. I've seen Stevie zero times at NAMM. I so have a, a I gotta Stevie stick with sense. you. I got to stick with you. Maybe I'll see Stevie Wonder. He's um, my, my Stevie Wonder. Wow. That was the, supposed to be like a, the oh, eighth wonder of the world, but I don't so think it translated bad. as well as I wanted it to be. Well, Shoot. let's get down to brass tacks here. You're going to be actually working a booth. If anyone's out there coming to NAM, you can see Chelsea and go talk to her at the Fender Play booth. Indeed. Okay. We're still not sure whether that is upstairs in like the big Fender Hall. I'm assuming it will be. It probably, right? I also have no idea what I'll be doing. Mm -hmm. Teaching live lessons or something. Yeah. Filming well, a live fun. Facebook chat thing. Okay. Who knows? Who but knows? you will also be working a booth. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is like, well, the base it's is on. It's on. It's on. Ladies and gentlemen. They're in our house. They are right, literally right here. All three of them. The f oh, actually, way more because Anders yeah. just dropped a few off. Anders is in country, as they say. Anders Mattison, the he man who built the, the bases. the theater of operation. Um, and yeah, they're with a huge case of them sitting here ready to go to NAM. So that is exciting. I, I, I think 20 years ago, I probably would have snuck a look inside the Dude, case. I was thinking that every single day when I leave, because they're sitting right by our front door in this right. giant, it looks like a piano road case. Yeah. And every day, I've the only thing stopping me is that if we, I feel like it's Pandora's box, and if we open it, well, we're never ne going to get it yeah. closed again. <laughs> it's like a sleeping bag. Like, once you take it out, you're never putting the bag back in the But in until the bag. this evening, when I went, like, walked past it to take the trash out earlier on, I, it hadn't crossed my mind. I was like, oh. No, for, Come on. I'm serious. It's I, like Christmas morning when you like finally get to open your presents that it, have been sitting there forever. It could well be. Well, I'm so I'm going to wait until Wednesday until I see all that stuff. But we are launching all the bases. I'll have, they're all the prototypes. I'll have my single cut and we'll have the five string double cut and the four string double cut. And you are more than welcome to come by the booth and play them, ask questions, hear the answers from the horse's mouth i.e. Anders, who builds them. Henrik Linder is from Dirty Loops is going to be there as well. We shall be playing together. I'll probably post a schedule of what we're going to do on Instagram or something like that. Um, anyone not following on the gram, Chelsea on base, at Chelsea on base, at Yannick Wisdala. Uh, also, I should probably say bundles are back with our most recent release Ooh. of the book. Yeah, exactly. 
Not bundles of joy, guys. Not there yet. <coughs> hey, it I might I mean, be. they are bundles of joy. They could be. I was going to say they could be bundles of joy for you. Speaking of Marie Kondo, they could spark joy. Oh, there you go. Or I should have said speaking of joy. Yeah. Marie Kondo. You're a little... Just getting some wires crossed this evening. A little bit. Yeah. It's been a long it's day. Been a long, it's been a long week. Um, I'm really excited to actually have a specific purpose at NAM for a change. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Right? Isn't that nice? I think that is. You actually have something to prepare for, right? And are you? I maybe shouldn't be asking this in real time on the podcast. No, that's fine. I know exactly what you're going to ask. And the answer is yes, but a modified version of what we talked about. Okay. But go on. Ask away. Are you going to be doing lessons I at am. NAM? I am. I am. I am. What? Yeah, I don't know. I just, well, okay. Coffee drinkers, you tell me. If you think this is a crazy idea, or if there's any of you, if there are any of you out there that will actually be at Nam and would find this of some use or something you'd be interested in, um, go to yannickgrisdala.com forward slash podcast. Use the speak pipe. Use the click the appropriate button. Leave us a voice message. We're going to get to some questions. Uh, we have a couple of questions queued up here from Sam Treby and Stefan Gotch. Anyway, get to the good no, stuff. No, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. We are gonna. Um, I'm going to do some lessons at the booth, at the Mattison booth. Just 10 minutes long. That sounds like a really short amount of time, but you can play for two minutes and I can take it all apart and hopefully put it all back together for you in some, you know, some constructive way in the following eight minutes. And just rather than it just be that really awkward, not very casual hang at the booth, we could actually have a little bit of structure there. Yeah. And you guys, coffee drinkers, if you're there and you're hanging out, you want to play the bass, it's a perfect opportunity for you to not just play the bass and ask questions about pickups and design, but actually ask questions about music. Um, yeah, we were talking about making it kind of an organized thing. Like if right. you come by, I think if I were just a passerby and I saw that he was doing this, I'd get so excited and then I'd be so bummed because there's going to be like 50 people at the booth. Mm. And how do you possibly get your 10 minute slot? But we were talking about having kind of an, a structure yeah, so you can come by, grab a like a time card kind of thing. Exactly. And whatever works for you. If you're going to be at the show another day, maybe you could even do that. But yeah. Yeah. Be nice yeah. for it not to be like a clusterfuck of people just descending one afternoon on it's the really booth. such an eloquent term for it. But yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. No uh, clusterfucks for Madison. Thank you. Um, and I'm not going to do like, I, I can't do like a hundred of these. It'd be 18 hours of lessons or something. But right. You know, let's let's try for for five or six a day. Maybe put in an hour each day of specifically doing that. Yeah. Um, create a little urgency, perhaps first come first served, and hopefully we'll have a little Mattison business card with a time slot on it to give you, if you want to come by and do that. Um, I'm also looking forward to the structure in terms of I know I have to be one place at one time, mm -hmm. and then I can actually think about what I want to go and check out. Exactly. You got some stuff you want to check. I don't know yet. Well, I was telling kind of my friend that I uh, am really excited to for Nam to just be something that I don't have any, like you said, like I don't have a directive this year other than working. Right. But after that, I don't need to go like check out a bass company and make sure that one of the reps sees me play. So and, it's not you know, a hustling Nam. It's not a hustle Nam, which is yeah. so great because I can just walk around if I like see a cool drum set i like i'm gonna sit down and play it <laughs> why not i'm gonna pick up a trumpet while i'm there i don't encourage either of those things to anyone <laughs> listening especially if you're a bass player um, it's fun i did put out a post on instagram ask people like hey what should i check out in terms of pedals thank you oh if, yeah if you were one of those people thank i got so many replies cool. some of the pedal companies even hit me up as well so i'm going to try and stop by as many of those as i can sweet kind of psyched 
NAM has also been, I think, changing the, the last years in terms of the way they organize it and lay it out. It's kind of like basses are kind of together and drums are together and keyboards are together rather than having like, I remember Federa always used to be next to a guitar strap company, which was pretty silent, but across the, the aisle from a PA system company, mm. which was just pumping house music all day. I think they've done a little bit better, a bit of a better job in terms of going there like you and me or anyone who's listening and actually hearing something that you want to try yeah um and then it's like you know we're going to run into like a hundred people we know oh my god it's the first Always. foot in the door right yep it excites me in the beginning and then i'm just like got the you call them blinders i call them blinkers but just like <laughs> just tunnel vision and i just want to get through the show <laughs> and not speak to anyone yeah, but you have to. That's oh, the I whole. Know, I, know. I stay introverted the entire year so that I can handle <laughs> Nam. I hermit myself from February to December so that in January I am ready to go. People sound like a fun thought right now. That sounds like a fun idea. Seeing people. I, I, I absolutely. I'm with you until about Tuesday lunch, uh, Thursday lunchtime. Great. The yeah. Half a day. Three and, hours of yeah. the show when you're done. Yeah. Um, coffee drinkers, if you have uh, if you have suggestions or stuff you'd like to hear us talk about from Nam on the podcast, or any questions about Nam, if you've been or you've never been, or you yeah, you know, want advice on going, yeah. Um, I got to say, we both have. I, I, it's quite vivid for me, my memory of first going to Nam. I'm sure it is for you as well. I'm right? looking at it right now. All oh, right, <laughs> we have a really cute Nam story, guys. I mean, besides the fact that we kind of started dating after nam two years ago wow that's man the amount my love life revolves around nam is kind of repulsive that's not not repulsive scary perhaps it's, but not repulsive it, okay repulsive it's a little disturbing disturbing that's a good question so a good two word, years yeah. ago after the base bash at nam is yes. when yannick first asked for my number uh -huh. i think yeah. so we kind of started dating after that but six years before that seven years ago this year was my very first NAM, and Yannick actually got me my pass. Yeah, he got me in, and I had just I had seen him at a show or something, and I just kind of passively he'd mentioned that he was going to be at NAM, and I was like, oh man, I've always wanted to go to that, and he was like, oh, here you go, I can get you in. Yeah. So yeah, we hung out there, and now we have this. I posted it on Instagram, but I I weirdly had a disposable camera with me that year, and I took a picture with Yannick. Yeah. And it now sits in a frame above his desk, and it's really funny. Yeah. Because he's uh quite the little what uh i like to use the the term pleasantly plump fluffy little, he's, little he's, fluffy he's my marshmallow fluff yeah that was back in, in the that day. picture that was about 36 pounds ago yeah was that 2012 2012 2012 there you go yeah 2012 and i might be was definitely a blowing smoke year. up my own ass but i don't think i look really any different do I look different? I'm just a little blonder. Not at all. The, the, the only thing is the My the hair, hair is yeah. a little different, but I, I, I think I look identical. And I was not even allowed to drink yet, I don't think. Uh, oh, dear. Or I'd been able to drink for two weeks in that picture. Oh, legally. that was then. Yeah, okay. I just turned 21. Anyhow. I, I don't have quite a, as cute a Nam, first Nam story as that, but I will yeah. say, uh, and I, I think maybe this relates to people who ha perhaps haven't gone, don't know what it's about and why you might want to go as well. I think that's important to know what it is, like what the beast, what the machine of Nam is. Mm -hmm. And for me, I remember it was probably 2003 was my first one. Maybe this is 16 years I've been going there. Holy cow. Um, yeah, long time. But it was 
really random how I got out there. That's inconsequential, but it was the process of meeting a lot of people. This is obviously way before social media. You still actually had to go and meet people in person and play music for them. There was no like, YouTube wasn't online yet. Facebook yeah. wasn't public. None of these things. So it was really important to form relationships, I think. I think that's still true today. Yeah. Um, I think maybe NAM is a little bit more about maintaining them than it is starting them. So true. Right? But I think it becomes, it kind of is about starting them because there's a lot of people now that I'm pretty good friends with thanks to social media, but I did have to initially begin my relationship the with them. actual in-person thing. I met them for the first time and like figured out who they were. Right. Um, yeah, especially the, like the people at Aguilar. I didn't know they existed until I went to NAM and was kind of introduced to all the different working parts of Aguilar. And sure. now I have relationships with some of the people, but it took meeting them at NAM to know they they were who I needed to know. I remember like when you go to NAM, it is a cacophony of of basically of bullshit for the most part. It's like Guitar Center on a Saturday morning. And you're praying for them to play Times Stairway to Heaven. A million. You know, because Stairway to Heaven would be melodic and refreshing <laughs> compared to what, you know, the just the diatribe of crap that is coming out of most of the booths as a general rule. Because it's a lot of people who are just like trying to play as loud as possible and be flashy and impress. And it's maybe like a 10th grade noodling like guitarist. Talent show. <laughs> no, like Not a even. noodling guitarist. Oh, okay. Like times a million people. Yeah. 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 All in the same giant hall yeah it really is crazy and as bass players we get to stay away from the drum hall yeah which is really i mean that is just insane to me Mm -hmm. trying to listen to a cymbal while 50 other people in a 10 foot radius play cymbals around (laughs) you it's just unbelievable but i definitely realized that it was like striking a balance between displaying what i could do as a musician but not being over the top and just doing you know, being flashy for the sake of it. Right. It was like, it was a very good learning experience actually mm-hmm. of how to navigate that. Yeah. And I don't think I was successful the couple of first few booths I went up to. Maybe I'd have, I'd have played completely different instruments and amps if I had been. You oh, know. I want to know your very first year Yeah. at NAMM. Uh-huh. So you kind of, you have to, end when you're first like shopping companies at NAMM or, you yes. know, going around and trying to kind of make yourself a, an entity that people are looking at. Right. You have to play so many bases so i don't know what you did but i was i mean god i was i was young uh-huh. and stupid okay and i would pick up a bass and play the same thing every time and i did you play the oh, same thing every time no really i didn't even think to do that that would have been a wise move no did you think that was a good thing to do? Feel like it was a good thing to do at the time? I mean, it was kind of the only flashy thing I could do at the time because I'm not <sighs> a flashy person. Okay, gotcha. So it was like the closest thing I could do to like, hey, look at me. And it right. was something that like kind of every bass player in the room turns their head when you play this thing. Gotcha. Uh, no, I think that, first of all, I was really, uh, and I've talked about this with the raising the action thing. I was never comfortable playing an instrument that wasn't mine. Mm. you know what I mean right so I always had this like that Nam was just one big phobia for me the <laughs> first time I went there because I was like oh I really like the look of these things I've liked the way some people I've heard sound playing these instruments I'd really like to try them and I just didn't for the first two days I had my own bass with me and I went round and you know hit up a few amp companies and stuff and and played that but I didn't try any basses the first two days I was there wow 
and uh, kind of got over the hump a little bit. And I was, I basically left there with an amp deal, a bass deal, a software deal with Native Instruments, and a string deal. Wow! In the first three days, it was totally insane. I remember being on the flight because I lived in New York at the time. So not only was I in uh, on the West Coast in January, and it was actually really warm, I was like, "Wow, this is cool." And I came back with all this gear <laughs> and could not believe it at all. And I don't know, 13 years, uh, yeah, my 20s, you know. Did you have a big gig at the time that you went? Um, no, I didn't go for a gig. I was being a musical director for a smooth jazz artist at the time. And we were traveling a lot and playing a lot of shows, but it wasn't like we were on TV or a national touring act in big venues or something mm -hmm. that they could really use the press from that for. I was just physically playing a lot of shows. And just being, I think being in New York sort of helped as well. I think people maybe saw potential like, oh, this is gonna be one of like the New York guys right, possibly. Yeah. So a couple of people took a chance. For and those of you out there talking about or thinking about going to NAM or if you've never been, my number one piece of advice for people is to not go until you, or not go with a purpose of talking to companies until you have a gig. Right. I think I've talked about that in the podcast a okay. little bit before. But yeah, it it is a lot easier to go up to people when you kind of have this thing in your back pocket that you can whip out and say, yeah, like, yeah, with I, I sound good, but yeah. also I'm doing this thing. Right. Your gear is going to be very recognizable because that's what people want to work with you for. Definitely. No one wants to give you a, a deal because you sound good. And here's the thing, uh, as, as I've learned, so many years like a couple of decades now it's not actually for the most part it's not the free gear you want because a bass company will give you a bass you don't really need more than a bass right. you don't really need more than an amp at home you just don't especially when i lived in new york and funny a side story the headquarters of fender were in scottsdale arizona where they all drive like ford f-350 trucks so when i emailed them and said great thanks for signing me um i'd like a small combo amp that i can take on the subway to gigs in new york they sent me a 210 combo that weighed 90 <laughs> pounds that didn't even fit in the back of a new york city cab oh jeez. so all of those things like you don't actually need all this stuff what you really want to get out of it is the tour support you yeah. know, is that gear on the road, especially amps or a lot of strings? I mean, I think know. it really depends on who you are. I think sure. you need the tour support, sure. sure. But for me, what I needed was I, I didn't have the money to buy the bass I wanted or the, the right. cab I wanted or anything. So it really did help me with that part. Get that of it. initial setup, yeah. like high level setup. Mm -hmm. That's another thing as well. Is like a, I remember the big leap from like your first kind of amps, which is kind of like, yeah. You know, a couple hundred bucks maybe, or like a combo amp, or I don't know, whatever, up to like real stuff. Yeah. Like Aguilar or, or what, whatever the company is. I mean, my my dad's a musician, so my first amp was an Eden that wow. <laughs> cost maybe more than my Aguilar does now. Yeah. Maybe. Well, but you yeah. got you got lucky. I did. I, I mean, not so much. I had a, I remember my first good amp was an SWR Working Man's 12. So that's a single 12-inch speaker in a combo amp. Yikes. And that was like the hot thing at the time. For gigging around London, you know, for tossing it in the back of the car and rolling out to a gig. And it had a DI, had an XLR output on it, so mm -hmm. you could put it in the house. That was really hip. But that was like 1,200 pounds or something. It was a lot of money. Well, eight, no, 800 pounds, I think, for the combo. Crazy. But yeah, but then moving up to real gear was like, 
wow, this is a big difference. Yeah. And nice. what a difference that makes, like to your whole process. Mm-hmm. Did, did you find that you were like, oh, I want to play more now? Absolutely. Right, right. Yeah, definitely. Motivating you to practice and to make music and do all kinds of stuff, right? So Nam can really promote that. It can also kill the dream as well after you've been like beaten over the head with that sound for four days. Yeah, I mean, I went to Nam for three years before I made any sort of deal happen. Okay. I was also too nervous. I didn't, the first few years, I did not have a gig that I could kind of whip out right. and, and use. So I didn't really want to go up and be that, I didn't know how to be that self-promoting person sure. yet. Um but yeah, once I, once I accomplished something, I think Nam was a lot more fun. So you but went with those, the TV gig to get the gear? That was the vibe? I think that was the first one, yeah. 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 That's great. But before that, when I had, you know, I wanted to be doing cool things and I wanted to be going up to right. artist reps and getting gear and showing them that I could play and all this stuff. But yeah. it just, it's so uh, not demeaning or demoralizing. I think it's delicate. No, no, it's like it it weigh, it like wears on you to okay. be in that environment. The process, you mean? Yeah, and yeah, like okay. seeing other people doing it and having like leaving the show and with if you go with a bunch of your friends, I used to do that all the time. I'd go with my friends who played different instruments, uh-huh. and we'd kind of go off all day and do our own things, and then drive home at night, and we'd all talk about the things, and my friend would be like, "Oh yeah, I got a deal, and I got yeah. this, and I got that," and I'd be like, <laughs> "Okay." <laughs> but I also think when I when I said delicate, maybe the 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 moment to strike like yeah it's a no that is very delicate to like no i just meant the years that you go and you you can't strike it it right. can really get you down right but kind of like music college i'm against it on so many levels i still recommend people go to certain places definitely the I, experience I, is like nothing else exactly so i do still recommend you going and the other thing is you sort of have to be either hooked up through someone who's with a company or through a company just to get in because it's not something you can actually just buy a ticket for and go the entire time. Well, on Sundays now, aren't you? With Sundays, yeah, but it's not something you can experience like the whole thing right? for the four days without actually being having a badge and going with a company. Yeah, but it doesn't hurt to ask a mentor. I mean, that's what I did with Yannick. He just that very first year. I, Absolutely. I didn't, I wasn't with a company yet, but you know, someone hooked me up and that's usually how it goes your first time. And then from there, it's kind of up to you to keep yourself afloat. I think it's so funny. I was telling Yannick, this is my first year that I have a demonstrator badge. For those of you who don't go to NAMM, oh, yeah. you're kind of ranked by how much clout you have with a company. And it is so funny to walk around NAMM and you, I don't know if you do this, but I can't help but judge people by what it says on their yeah, badge. Yeah, and the color, they're all like color coordinated. Yeah. So you know, after a while, you know, it's like red is the demonstrator badge. Right. And silver's so, the artist, yellow is the guest. No, I think now all they have is red and blue. Okay. All of them, the other ones don't have colors. Well, I remember the first year I went, I did a similar thing. I asked the artist I was working with, this guy, Mike Phillips, saxophone player, and he got me in. Mm. But he, this was back in the day where they didn't check an ID. Right. And I, w- I went as a, do called Matt something or the other <laughs> and really you could have like you could go as anyone you wanted super tight now in terms of the security but yeah I th- yeah we, we both definitely recommend going for the experience you never asked what I played for people when I was a oh, little yeah, baby what's the lick it wasn't a lick it was, what was it up to speed teen town wow <laughs> That's a bold statement. I know, but hey, it works, man. When you sit down and you're like a little baby blonde chick and you sit down with a bass and play Teen Town, like... People take note. Yeah, people turn around. It okay. works. 
I hate myself for doing that, but it worked. <laughs> well, you got to out your system young. Exactly. So, so it can just kind of yes. fade you away into the You do one year past. and then you grow up a little bit. Right. Sell your soul yeah. for four days. Um, you want to answer some questions on the speed Let's part? answer some Let's questions. Let's answer some questions. I think maybe some of this stuff we've been talking about might be relevant to this next question or this first question from Sam Treby or Treby? Treby maybe. Hey, Yannick and Chelsea. It's Sam here from Brisbane, Australia. G'day, mate. Uh, my question is wow. about social media. Um, a lot of people that I went to uni with have um, their personal Facebook page but also run uh, an artist's Facebook page for their music. What do you guys think about this? Do you think it's essential to have both or can you get away with just a personal one? And uh, do either of you have any other social media tips for all your entrepreneurial listeners out there? Cheers, guys. Love your work. All right. Well, Thanks, Sam. Sam, hate to break it to you, but is your parents use Facebook now? <laughs> no, wow, diving right in there. Yeah, I think so. I think it has to be said, like just to be realistic as to what is re- – it's like saying Snapchat is relevant or Vine is relevant or what, any of these things that are just sort of like – slowly dying away facebook is not that relevant anymore you know maybe it, it is in australia maybe. i don't know <laughs> sorry i know i have such a thing with the accents on the show but i'm listening right now to a a bride like a wedding podcast oh yeah and the hostess is a an australian comedian okay and i've been listening to that accent a lot and i really okay. enjoy it all right some people don't well i do that's 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 cool anyway but yeah facebook uh, yeah maybe in australia facebook isn't as out on the outs as it is here in america but it's pretty it's 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 going away and i'm guessing if you're kind of in the music business industry or whatever you're you want to make sure you're looking a little wider than where you are right now you know i know when i look at my audience it's predominantly the u.s Mm -hmm. and the uk that obviously depends on what it is you do and the style and everything i'm just saying the example i can give you that it's mainly us uk and then randomly brazil and indonesia like those are my four biggest markets and facebook really doesn't factor at all i haven't spent any money on facebook ads in a very long time because they just don't they don't reach that people just aren't engaged right Um, but facebook does own instagram so we, I do all my advertising through Facebook, but it's all on Instagram. I think Instagram is probably the most relevant platform right now. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, anyway, but Facebook was probably kind of a, a micro part of that question. The bigger question, I think, is the future of yeah. social media and where it's all going. Um, personally, just to harp on the Facebook thing for one more second, sure. I think I personally judge people who have a Facebook music page still because it's kind of people who aren't that successful like bands or groups that i see that have their own facebook page or like start a facebook page now when it's really kind of going out it tells me that they aren't very clued into what's going on right um and then then they don't have the infrastructure to build a website and push traffic to it right that's that's a huge thing i think the website is actually more valuable than having the facebook page if you can funnel the traffic to it and use it as a uh, to, to, to get to build your mailing list definitely but as far as social media goes um i've i'm weirdly interested in this especially the relationship between 
people's personal lives and their business life when yeah. they are pretty interconnected. Yeah, and I lecture Yannick about this yeah. stuff all the time. All I kind of time. run like my own experiments about Instagram constantly. And uh, I just tell Yannick all the things that I learn. Yeah, I, I really like the, the bucket thing we've been talking about yeah. lately. I think, but you should explain it. You do a far better job okay. than me. Can I just, is it okay that I talk about this? Please. I have a few like tips here. Yes. So, um, Come on. one of my friends actually works in social media for Microsoft and she was telling me about this tactic that people use. It's called, um, like media buckets. So they have, uh, th I mean, I guess we can use you as an example sure. or a musician as an example. Yeah, yeah. So well, I'm trying to do it now. Right, yeah. You know, so he's I'm, going after it. But a lot of musicians I know, um, there's usually like a, there's three buckets that you want to pull from. And what that really means is three different types of content that you want to post. So on one platform or just in, as a rule in general on whichever platform you're It using. could be, I mean, I'm sure this rule will move on to whatever the post Instagram right. world is. But right now this really applies to Instagram. Yeah. Um, so one bucket for a musician could be videos of you playing. Uh, one bucket could be pictures of gear that you're using. And one bucket could be either like selfies or like professional pictures that you've had taken. And all of these things are varied content that keeps your users interested. Um, some people who have a lot more constant media presence have a lot more buckets than that. And it works for them. But if you're kind of like you know, just uh, trying to promote yourself and this is your own business, then three buckets is very helpful. Um, and it kind of keeps, it helps to keep you engaged, I feel like, in your own thing because it... It makes you think, right? And right. And you have to be creative and come up with the content. Well, and it just keeps you from getting bored of posting the same thing over and over. Like you were doing your videos every day, which is awesome. But if that's all you posted, then you're... And a very followers, specific kind right, of Right, like your followers well, yeah. might get bored, you might get bored, you might run out of ideas. So yeah. having three different types of things to pull from really helps. Um, another thing that I've learned recently is that, um, so <laughs> I hate this term, but it's called micro-influencing. Mm -hmm. So there's influencers, which we all know are these people that have millions of followers. But micro-influencers are actually people that have, I think the number is like 20,000 followers or less. Okay. Um, maybe it's 50,000 or less. Okay. And because your follower feels a lot more personally connected to you, because it's not this person that has like millions of people. It's not Bella Hadid or these like supermodels. Where you just feel you're a drop in the ocean. Right. Like they're never going to respond to your message or right, something. Right. But if someone has like you have 40,000 40, or so yeah. and you respond to comments, you know, you ask for feedback and you really interact with your and, followers. I, and I, I, I will say that I do it genuinely and I do it honestly. Absolutely. And I think that's hugely important underlying thing. Right. So on that, that tip, exactly. People are actually finding that the more personal and personable you make your Instagram, the better your business side does. Because if people can attach a face and a real human being to this brand, they're more likely to purchase what you have to offer. Mm. So as a musician, that goes so far because, I mean... It could be concert tickets, merchandise, yeah. books, what, yeah. There's you so know, many. downloading your music, checking out your Spotify, whatever it is, yeah. if people... Um, I actually saw this thing that, like, it's like some statistic that every nine, one of every nine posts 
of anyone's Instagram, especially these influencer people, should be a selfie. Hmm. Even if you run like a food Instagram that's <laughs> just pictures of your salad every day or whatever, right. every nine posts should be a picture of your face to remind people that there's someone there. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm glad I get that automatically with the videos. Yeah, I'm not exactly. a huge fan of yeah. posting selfies. I think you can count them on one hand in my entire <laughs> 2,500 posts. I'm not a huge fan of it, but okay. So that's like the three bucket. That's my three bucket tip three bucket, for social media. Three bucket tip for social media. Yeah, and please don't forget the, the honesty element. That's, that's huge. Like, I, And like you said, I'm really going after it right now. And yeah. I am being, and consistency. Yes, consistency. That's like huge. honesty and consistency. And don't be afraid. I think I think I learned this really early on from people like Seth Godin and Brendan Bouchard. Like if you have an email list, for instance, don't be afraid to send an email every single day to that list. Don't be afraid to spam. If people think it's spam, they'll unsubscribe and they won't be dead weight in terms of your followers. You right. don't want 100,000 followers and only get 300 likes on a picture or 300 interactions or engagements. You want 100,000 followers and 100,000 plus engagements. So the less um, uh, chaff you have and the more wheat, the better, I think, with that. Um, chaff? Separate the wheat from the chaff. Never mind. How old are you? Is this uh, like an 1800s reference? Anyway, um, I had one more thing on ooh, that point. Please. Um, I love this. And I just totally lost it because you said chaff. What the hell is a chaff? <laughs> is that like what happens wheat to your nipples when you run? Chaff. Like no, Andy from chaff. the office? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh. <laughs> Oh, that's ugly. <laughs> I know you're welcome. Yeah. There's there's a character in the office where when he runs his nipples bleed and oh, he has to wear I know. You're welcome. This was a family show. Well, no, this was never a family show. Um, <laughs> now I've really forgotten what I was gonna you say. You really have? Shoot. Because we were, were talking, talking about, about social media. Oh, we were talking about building your followers with intention. Yeah. And the thing of you said, if if you spam them, people will just unfollow you and yep. let them do that. Yes. I struggle all the time because I research so much about what people like and I feel very tuned in to what people are going to literally press the like button on one of my posts. Yeah. But what that does is kind of m make my brain want to lie to people because I know what is going to get likes and sometimes that's not me being honest. Right, 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 but right. I really have to remind myself that I want to build a huge following of people who like what I do, not what I think they want me to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. So it's really about especially with this whole business and music crossover thing, don't just do what you think people are going to share. I mean, it's good to make one of those yeah. videos once every I mean once every 9 posts or whatever is a great yeah ratio too for that like definitely put content out there that you think is going to get you notoriety but make the majority of what you're posting what who you actually are yeah the music that actually represents you wise wise words um let us go on to the next question and by the way that with the whole question was about facebook personal page and band page initially right no he just said social media and well he said social media but it was like do you think it's important to have a personal page and a, and a band page i think what we didn't touch on so much although you hinted it was the personal thing and the work thing and we've talked you've like you just give me a hard time about like not posting tennis videos on my instagram feed and stuff like like getting it mixed up mm -hmm. too much you know what i mean yes and i think it's 
it was at one point essential and everyone I knew did it, separated their personal Facebook page from their um, band page mm -hmm. to keep that personal life really separate and private. Yeah. I think that's huge. Uh, it, you can be, like you were saying, the face behind the salad posts. Yeah. You can't, you. <laughs> yeah, salad face. Yeah, you can be salad face without it encroaching on your <laughs> no without encroaching on your personal life and your family life and, and all that kind of stuff i think it Definitely. is quite you can still be honest and personable and engaged and talk to your uh, fan base without it being too too personal yeah um so let's go to stefan uh stefan gotch i believe gosh hi yannick hi chelsea i'm stefan from north carolina and i had maybe a more salacious question mm -hmm. um have you ever had to deal with like really diva type musicians i've got like a guitar player and a group i'm playing with right now that's a little uh on the hard to work with spectrum um always wants to be playing really loud and kind of a jerk to hang out with um the band leader and i and everybody else in the band is kind of in agreement that he needs to go but right now we have to kind of get through our january gigs um, so what do you do in those situations? Also, just got the 251 book and excited to start digging into that. So thanks so much for that. Bye. All right, Stefan. Well, thanks for checking out the book. Heck um, yeah. So diva type musicians and do we deal with them? How do we deal with them? Well, Chelsea lives with me. So how do you deal with me? <laughs> how is it possible oh, that so we celebrate two cocaine. years tomorrow? Huh? What? So much cocaine. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't do drugs. No, um, don't but do drugs, kids. Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. We are. What? We're going to talk about Stefan's question. We but are. We, our two-year two anniversary is tomorrow. Tomorrow, It's kind of yeah. cute. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't think you can, like, what do they say? I'm Can't trying to think of a good... It? No. No. Is there an analogy coming here? Uh, it's not an analogy. It's like a Southern saying. Oh, I feel so like we owe Stefan a Southern saying. Oh, wow. Um, that was really bad. Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, you can't really like turn a corner without running straight into a diva musician at any time. Oh. I feel like the amount that we've both dealt with is probably pretty oh, yeah. sizable. Absolutely. I mean, um, I, I wonder actually, this is because I've dealt with that for long periods of time with the same small group of people have you dealt for it dealt with it for a, a you know large part of your career but with lots of different people because you've played so many different gigs yeah but the same as you too where it's just one person that i just kind of have to work with i okay. don't really have a choice it's just for me it's mainly been on the road yeah sure you know, and you're in like that confines of a tour bus or something it's the person who does on a tv watch. show every day well yeah are they yeah. yeah exactly so <laughs> Two years on a TV show, that's... Well, yeah, so... Regardless of how difficult it is, the best policy is always honesty. Is it, though? <laughs> I knew you were going to disagree with me. I think it is. But I also don't give a fuck. So that's, <laughs> that's a huge thing in my favor, and I know that is not something that everyone has. And I will tell you that it has cost me a lot of work in the past yeah speaking totally. my mind so okay yeah maybe honesty brutal honesty isn't the there's there's always a nicer way to say it you know what i mean you can still be honest i think and get to the point and maybe draw it out of the person as opposed to imposing your view on them mm -hmm. no yeah i mean i think it does a lot to 
tell the person that they are risking their job yeah. with their attitude. Especially as I think Stefan said there was a band leader. So he right. and the band leader. So if there is a band leader, if there is some sort of hierarchy and someone is the boss, then that is actually a great situation to be in because then the person, like you just said, is in jeopardy of losing their job and that can be explained to them. That's very cut and dry. Right. It's like buck up or, you know, shit will get off the pot. And it really shows you the true nature of that person who's being a diva because if you tell them, hey, your attitude sucks and you're about to get fired over it, and they freak out and start yelling at you, then you'll know that it was Done never deal. worth yeah. it. Was never worth it. Um, you know, I've had people, uh, that's happened to me. A, a musical director has pulled me aside and said, you know, I, I don't dig this right now. Like, I don't think your attitude is right. It is so funny you say that because I was just about to say, I bet you anything, both of us have been divas before. Oh, yeah. We both kind of have that personality. <laughs> yeah, the, the kind of little bit of a snap going on. Yeah. You know, like quick to quick to act kind of get a little trigger happy yeah i'm a little yeah i get sassy when people are not being professional yeah and it yeah i'm not great to work with sometimes yeah and i yeah i definitely think i was like definitely not the musical director ah but thinking and seeing a solution for the situation mm -hmm. but in my way right and i wasn't being hired for my way i right. was being hired to shut up and play the bass right and the musical director who was great would have dealt with it right i was just impatient and it was he was i really I, this is probably what i learned there's a buddy of mine greg in in germany guitar player and um i one of the biggest lessons i think ever and just a quick walk to the we were on stage sound checking on a huge gig and just a quick walk to the dressing room no no craziness no shouting no yelling just took me aside very privately where there weren't other people around listening and was really professional i learned i learned how to deal with people from that situation really well in terms of musicians and what it takes to drive the ship and it's not always one way is the right way you know there could be 10 different solutions and good luck picking the right one but make sure you give each one a bit of thought rather than jumping mm -hmm to that you know racing to that initial impatient conclusion um have you had that like people talk to you uh on gigs i'm not sure if i've ever been directly called out but i usually catch myself pretty quickly so you've been aware that I've like been very oh aware i shouldn't maybe I shouldn't have said that or very aware that i'm coming off a lot i have a little bit of a sociopath thing where I am oh, joy. a lot <laughs> surprise happy anniversary <laughs> I'm a lot more uh, practical and logical where other people get their feelings hurt okay. and maybe rightly so but yeah. you know when, I, when I'm in a business situation I want to just tell it like it is and my feelings aren't involved and yours shouldn't so be you either so you like to take the emotion out yeah. of it yeah and people do not like that yeah they really don't like that but it's a lot of ego Involved. it's so much ego and in, if you're if someone's messing up or being unprofessional i'm just gonna say it yeah and you know if it's affecting me i don't think i've ever done it where there's someone above me like where there's a boss and i speak out of turn right it's more when i'm in like an, an equal band situation and just i tend to be the, the leader type personality anyway yeah, yeah. so yeah if i'm if there's no one to tell me no i'm gonna tell you no <laughs> kind of how it goes and and i definitely learned a lot early on about that but i also 
like I said earlier on, to the detriment of my income and some gigs and tours that I missed out on a result of it, I also made the decision that, okay, there's also a line where I will absolutely put my foot down when I believe strongly about something, regardless of whether it is PC for the situation. Because like I said earlier on, I don't give a fuck. And right. there's a certain limit to what, to the conditions that I will work under. Well, and you're very lucky, Stefan, that your boss agrees with you because my friend was just in a situation, she tours almost year round, and she was just in a situation where her boss was aware of the situation with this diva person, Mm -hmm. but not enough to have the, like the boss didn't feel they had the grounds to fire this person. So my friend ended up going to her boss and saying, look, it's bad enough that it is me or him. Like, I'm not going to put up with this situation anymore. Okay. If you keep him around, I'm not going to be here. Okay. And that finally convinced the boss to to let the guy go. To make it happen, yeah. So yeah, definitely look out for you. Don't forget to look out for yourself in yeah. the long run, but also be super aware of what's going on around you, mm-hmm. you know, and of the hierarchy and of you know, it's that is that really angry email you write and you just should like save it and save close it. the yep. close the email and then look at it in two days in utter horror that you ever wrote that combination of words and delete. Oh, Uh, it's so true. I've done that so many times. Yeah. It's almost impossible to be perfect at it, I think, in person all Mm -hmm. the time. You know, we're we're just human at the end of the day. But hopefully that that helps you with your decision to kick this jackass out of the band. Uh, Well, and in the meantime, don't forget to not take this guy too seriously. If he's like really dragging down the situation, then... You know, take it upon yourself to make things lighter and to just ignore him and like stop including if he's a bad hang, don't invite him on the hang. Yeah. I love disinviting people. (laughs) Screw you if you're a bad hang. You go drink by yourself in the corner. I'm going to have fun. Oh, our kids are going to be tortured. (laughs) That's Um. not true. They're going to be lovely individuals (laughs) who love their mother very Um, much. I want to leave you guys, girls, ladies and gentlemen, coffee drinkers with one thing. Um, Oh, dear. What do you mean, oh dear? Is, oh, do you have anything to add? No, I just wasn't prepped on this. What are you doing? No, it's there's no prep. It's just um, there's something about this line. I, oh, I it's wa- the lick of the day. The lick of the day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <God>. Stop <laughs> licking my microphone. Ew, I didn't. That's not a euphemism. Um, <laughs> it's well, just listen to it for a second. <laughs> Talk about a lick. Yeah. It's Brad Meldow. It's um, the album. It, it's uh, the song Blame It On My Youth from Art of the Trio Volume 1 with the incredible Larry Grenadier and Jorge Rossi completing the trio. And I highly recommend, A, you go get that record and, and just wear it out because there's some amazing material on it. But B, check into what that actually is. Like what he's doing over this dominant chord right here. That note, that boom, bah, that high note. Check out what that is. I, I'll tell you that it's a major. Yeah, I'll tell you that it's a major seven on a dominant chord. So if the chord happened to be B flat, it's B flat. Um, that, <laughs> would, that would that would be an A natural. I just thought that was hip. I've known about that thing since 
this record came out in 97 i've been listening to it since then like over 20 years and i thought i would leave you guys with that to think about because huh. we don't normally play a major seven on a dominant chord that's not like it's a true. go-to thing but it sounds beautiful it's this we just a- saw west side story we just saw what west side story. we just saw <laughs> We just saw we? Vice. We saw Vice, The yes. Dick Cheney movie. And yeah. at the end, they start playing West Side, West Side Story. Story. Yeah. And that is a very kind of West Side Story thing to, to write. What do you mean? A major seven on a dominant chord sound. That's in West Side Story? Like all over the place. A major seven on a dominant chord. I got to go back and listen to West Side Story. Yeah, man. Okay. Well, Chelsea's hipping me to a load of things here. I hope I'm hipping you guys to a little Brad Meldow. Um, Hopefully this is the precursor to something in the not-too-distant future. Um, And we'll I don't know if we'll get another podcast in before NAMM because this week is absolutely bananas. Yes, it is. But come see us at NAMM. Yeah, please come see us at NAMM. Go to yannickwistala.com forward slash podcast. Leave me, Chelsea, both of us. Leave us messages. We'll play them like we did today in the podcast and and answer questions follow at chelsea on base on instagram i'm at yannick Wisdala. we have our medium buckets <laughs> that we are pouring information to yes into and drawing out and posting them for you guys so um thanks for sticking with us we'll uh, we'll see you on the next one see you soon